The following is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, reaching out with rock-solid hope in rim country. August 1st, 2 Corinthians 9, 8-11. There's an interesting account found in Scripture in 2 Kings chapter 4 with the prophet Elisha. The prophet encounters a, a woman who had been married to a, another prophet, but her husband died. And this woman is in panic because she is about to receive a big load of debt that she can't afford to pay off now that her husband, the prophet, is dead. But God provides. Elisha directs this woman to take her small jar of oil and to begin to pour it into as many jars as she can possibly collect. She does so, and miraculously, that small jar of oil fills all the other jars that she has collected. She's able to sell the oil and pay off her debt. God provides. He provided for that widow of the prophet and for his family. And we see many other examples of this, don't we? Where where God miraculously provides for those who minister with his word and share his word and, and lead his church. We saw how he provided for Moses and the Israelites miraculously in the wilderness. We could read about how when Elijah the prophet needed support, and it wasn't found from God's people, God sent ravens to miraculously bring him food. And of course, we also read earlier about Jesus providing for his disciples and all the people with him as he fed the 5,000. A miracle. God provides, sometimes in a miraculous way. But what about the times when he doesn't use a miracle? How does God provide for needs then, for his people and for those who serve as ministers in his church? Well, earlier this week I was in a parking lot and someone came up to me and she began describing to me one of the the ministries that was down in Phoenix that had made an impact in her life. I'd never heard of that ministry before, but she describes it as something very important and then proceeded to hand a jar in which she was soliciting donations for that ministry. Of course, I had just found out about this ministry, which I didn't even know existed, and I just had a 30-second testimony from some stranger. So I had to wonder, should, should I support and provide for this ministry? And maybe you've seen similar requests for some Christian ministry seeking some sort of funding or support. It comes in the mail. You hear it on the radio. You might find it on the end of a video. It usually proceeds with something like, if you found this ministry to be important, maybe God's people might look at that and sometimes wonder, well, can't God provide? Does he need me to help support this ministry? Couldn't God just miraculously make sure that his important ministries get by? Well, we see in God's word this morning as we conclude our series looking at a faithful minister how God turns that question around. Can't you, shepherd, can't you, flock, trust in me to provide? And he does. And we see this morning how a faithful minister, as he leads by example, relies on the Lord's provision. We'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 as we see that. Firstly, though, I want to discuss how there are two major pitfalls that can come under this topic regarding funding for ministry and support of ministry. One of those pitfalls is that God's people 
believers hold back support. We see very clearly in Scripture that God does, not just through miracles, but through his people, want to provide for those who serve his church. Consider how Moses gave that direction for the the Levites and those who served in God's temple and the tabernacle to receive a portion of certain sacrifices and how the people were directed to give a certain percentage of their offering for the work of God's kingdom. And yes, God moved the hearts of many people to provide themselves out of their own means to provide for his prophets. And certainly we can hear Jesus as he sends out his apostles. He tells them, the worker deserves his wages. Even the Apostle Paul, more, on more than one occasion, writes regarding the support that is due to those who serve the church as ministers of the gospel. He says, as Jesus says, the worker deserves his wages. And that includes paying for families like Peter, that he might provide for the needs of his family too. The church or the believer that withholds support from ministers of the gospel dishonors God's word and that minister and fails to honor their Lord. That's one pitfall. Of course, a congregation is free to decide how much it wants to organize and plan and commit to that effort of support. I'm thankful that here at our congregation we've committed to that support so I can do full-time ministry. And that, that point is not under contention here or really anywhere in our church body to any major conflict. Thank God for that. But there's another pitfall. Though congregations, and yes, I'm sure even in our church body, at times fail to give the support they should, the other can happen. The second pitfall falls on the pastor. Didn't we see in the qualifications for a pastor that the pastor is not supposed to be eager for money. He's not supposed to be a lover of money. Greed can happen on his end, too. The faithful minister who turns to greed is no longer qualified or faithful. There are some ministries where the pastor receives more pay as there are more people that are in his flock. Is that right? And there are some ministries where the pastor receives more pay than most of the people in his flock could ever dream of receiving. Is that right? That too is a pitfall. Really, to to sum up those two dangerous pitfalls, I I wanted to share with you this morning something that an older pastor once said to me. He put it pretty well when he said, the pastor shouldn't be the first one in his neighborhood to always have the newest TV, but nor should he be the last. One honors or dishonors the gospel, one turns towards greed. God desires there be that healthy balance as the needs are met and provided for for those who serve in his church. And once again, I'm thankful that that point isn't really under contention or debated. There's a a consensus among us that we should support the gospel ministry and Lord, help that there continue to be a consensus among our ministers that they're content with their pay. But really, the, the main focus that we need to discuss today is what Paul brings up as he writes to the Corinthian Christians. It isn't so much whether they should or shouldn't give or that pastors should be content with what they receive, the point that he's addressing in the middle of chapter 9 is their attitude towards what God has given them and their reliance on their God. We see Paul is giving 
direction to the Corinthian Christians regarding an offering that will be collected. As he visits them, this offering will be used to help the poor who are in Jerusalem, who are suffering under a famine. You can imagine the the poor in Jerusalem who were second-class citizens because they were Christians were in desperate need of this help during the famine. And so Paul has arranged that when he comes to visit, he will also bring this gift to the churches in Jerusalem and the Christians in Jerusalem who are in need. Now, Paul could have, he could have addressed this by telling the people not to be selfish. And he could have gone the road of saying, don't withhold because that would be greedy and selfish. And that would be right because Christians do, we understand, have a sinful nature. And we do have that heart that we wage against which desires to be selfish and hold on to our own. But God, through Paul here, encourages the believers to consider his provision as they provide for the needs of others. Paul writes, God is able to make all grace overflow to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will overflow with every good work. Isn't that amazing? God is the one who provides, and he provides for us in such a way, overflowing and abundant blessing in all things at all times so that we have what we need so that we can do good works. Sometimes we might slip into that thinking regarding the blessings God is giving us so that we can do what the world does with its wealth. We might say, well, I need to save this for a rainy day. The wiser among us might say that. Or maybe some of us echo the world and we say, I need to spend this now on myself. No, it's not wrong to save and to spend. But God here opens us to see the the greater picture of the blessings he's given us, not just to save and spend on ourselves, but to give generously to others so that we can carry out the Lord's work and glorify his name. God, the risen, living Jesus, equips us as his church with all that we need so that we can overflow in every good work. He says in verse 10, He who provides seed to the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed for sowing and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. Some misapply this picture of sowing seed and they wrongly teach that if you just give, then God will make you rich, worldly speaking. What Paul is talking about here is the sowing of a seed which brings a harvest of righteousness. The sowing of the seed which allows us to spread the gospel brings a greater harvest than merely investing like this world does. It brings righteousness as our harvest. And God is the one who gave us that seed to sow. Can you imagine a farmer who decides he's going to hold back spreading his seed? Picture the harvest he'll have. God says he gives us an overflowing abundance so we can scatter the seed and have an overflowing harvest of righteousness. He says, You will be made rich in every way so that you may be generous in every way. Not just to spend or to save, but to give. And to what end? It produces thanksgiving to God through us. Paul's saying, when you give to support with this special offering, 
It will, through us and through the work that is done, bring thanksgiving to your God. Maybe we sometimes hold back from generously giving because we're worried about having enough. Well, one, we see God says he will provide so you have what you need and so you can be generous with what you're given. And also, he says, what you give will bring thanksgiving to God. Sometimes we might not only hold back because we're saying, I just don't have enough or I won't have enough in the future. We might hold back and say, what good will it accomplish? What will be the end result anyways? Thanksgiving to God as you are generous with what he has given you. And maybe sometimes we don't see that thanksgiving, but it's there. When church bodies like ours support mission work in places like China, or like we are building a seminary in Vietnam, or places like Indonesia, and they receive support so they can carry on gospel ministry, you can be sure thanksgiving goes up to God. Or when we support the ministries that we have in one of the second largest nations of this world, but also one of the poorest in India. And we support the orphanage work that is done there, which is connected with those who are taught the gospel and our church body there. You can be sure thanksgiving goes up to God. And when work is done by our church body through Christian aid and relief, the the Wells ministry that works with disaster relief, and it spreads the gospel as it brings that relief, you can be sure thanksgiving goes up to God. And yes, when this pastor and when other faithful ministers receive support so they can carry on gospel for another day or another month or another year and not have to concern with the the well-being of their family but can do full-time ministry, you can be sure thanksgiving goes up to God, not just by him, Or when our congregation, as we did this past summer, supports the music program that we have as an outreach program. Thanksgiving, as I heard many of them last week, goes up to God. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This Thanksgiving which is produced is a result of what God has given us in his generosity. His greatest gift, not withholding, but giving richly from what he had of his own son, so that you and I might not suffer the the weight of guilt and the curse of our own selfishness or the times when we failed to rely on the Lord's provision. All that guilt and all that sin was removed as the Son of God came to this world. The Father gave his greatest treasure and he gave his life as a gift, generously pouring it out so that you and I might be set free from our sins and have the gift of eternal life and the rich inheritance of heaven and life everlasting. And that same Jesus who gave his life, gave confident that the Father would provide, that he would be raised back to life and would eternally be able to distribute gifts to his church, to you and to me, so that we could overflow and thanksgiving would overflow and turn back to the Father. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Our Lord, through us, brings thanksgiving around this world as we provide, as he provides through us. You know, Martin Luther had once reportedly said uh, that conversion happens in three stages. 
happens first with the, the head, then with the heart, and then finally with the wallet. And I think he had a point. Once money is no longer our God, we are free and able to serve our God with the things he has given us. And we are able to bring others to see the goodness of our God. Picture those saints in Jerusalem when they received that offering from the non-Jewish Christians around the world, sending in their offerings, their gifts to them in their time of need so that the Christians in Jerusalem could carry on. You can be sure Thanksgiving went up to God. And I'm sure that the the non-believing people around them, though they may have despised those Christians, marveled at the overflowing generosity given by the people outside of Jerusalem for those in need. Thanksgiving went up to God. And still today, he who scattered, he gave to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. As God promises, he is able to make all grace overflow to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will overflow with every good work. May God give us ministers who are content and faithful with what they receive and the support they have. May God give us flocks who support and provide for those needs so that gospel ministry can continue and thanksgiving can go out to our Father. We see that God can, yes, I believe he can, provide for the needs of his ministers, and he can use miracles for that. But God desires that more than the ravens be involved. He wants you, with what you have received, overflowing with generosity, to also provide and also to support so that a minister of the gospel and the flock can also answer their Lord who asks them, Who do you count on to provide for your needs? It is our faithful minister. He will provide. Amen.